0: Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller.
1: I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast.
0: Today, we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aviard.
2: So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. From that day on, his bedchamber becomes ours. It is a wordless agreement, giving both of us something to hold on to. We're too tired to do much more than sleep, though I'm sure Kalorn suspects otherwise. He stops talking to me and ignores Cal altogether. Part of me wants to join the others in the larger sleeping rooms, where the children whisper into the night and Nanny shushes them all. It helps them bond, but I would only frighten them, so I stay with Cal, the one person who doesn't really fear me. He doesn't keep me awake on purpose, but every night I feel him stir. His nightmares are worse than mine, and I know exactly what he's dreaming of. The moment he severed his father's head from his shoulders. I pretend to sleep through it, knowing he doesn't want to be seen in such a state. But I feel his tears on my cheek. Sometimes I think they burn me, but I don't wake up with any new scars. At least not the kind that can be seen. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 19, Glass Sword. Chapter Twenty. Wow, Mare. Yeah, so Mare and Cal are sleeping together, but not in the nineties sitcom. They're actually sleeping. sleeping together. They're actually, they're just, actually sleeping. just sleeping. Just sleeping. Yeah, because I mean, I guess when you're out all day what? and doing the things they do, like you're, you, you, you just have pour yourself into bed when you go to sleep. You know what I mean? And like he's, he's probably toasty
0: to sleep next to Cal,
2: right? Like sleeping next, next to, me. to her exactly. Right. That's what I was thinking when I was reading this. Is like I can remember what it was like, you know, when she was like way too old to still be sleeping in bed with us. But it was like, spring her into bed with us because she's so warm and cozy and cuddly.
1: There were the times where I would be like, "No, I'm fine," and you'd
2: be like, "No, I, you can come sleep in bed with us if you want." It's like, "No, I'm fine." I mean, are you sure? Because look how all this space here. So warm and cuddly. So warm and cuddly. And then 2 o'clock in the morning, she's got an elbow in your back and a (laughs) knee in my back. And she's covered in sweat.
0: The blankets are off everybody. because She has to have it (laughs) off her.
2: No, dad sweats much more than I do. The leg. Now. Remember the leg? The leg would come up and she was like... And the blankets would go down (laughs) like that. How you got your leg... To like slither up along your body and outside of the covers and then slap the covers down. I don't know. Was it all in but one it, motion? There's no way it was all at no, once. No, not. It I, was, I, was I,
0: relatively. It was relatively fluid.
2: It was mostly just kind of like you would like roll to the side and then like roll back over and like kick your leg or whatever. But yeah, I'm a flailer when I sleep. It yeah. was insane, but still warm. So I mean, I get warm. it. Right. I was toasty. Which so is why I, Im- I used to sweat so much. Right. I could imagine if you could actually like manipulate fire, how much more toasty you would be. Like actual fire, not just your temper. Who's to say I can't?
0: Relatively um, certain. You
2: hate <laughs> fire. you I do hate fire. Never want to go near it. <laughs> I used to have to beg you to come out and sit around the fire pit and roast marshmallows.
1: You should see me on Fourth of July. It's yeah, you don't like. It's funny. It's gotten better. A little bit. But it used to be awful.
2: I had to stay inside on Fourth of July a lot of years. That's okay. So did the dogs. They needed somebody to keep them company.
0: Is this the juicy goss around the notch? The juicy gossip is that the Lightning Girl and yeah, yeah, this is the genie guess, right shacking here. up together with the, yeah, the former Prancer.
2: Kalorn definitely seems to be upset. He yeah. is not happy. He's, he's not upset. questioning, of course. He doesn't ask her. He just assumes. Everybody just assumes.
1: He's upset, but you know he's the one that has really been like spreading this around.
2: Probably.
0: I do you Has he? I don't... Maybe.
1: Maybe it's just because I feel like Kaloran is a huge gossip for I, some reason. I can't
0: see Kaloran being... I don't see Kaloran being a gossip. Maybe, though.
1: When it comes to Mare, probably. I don't think it's like he just can't keep secrets or anything i think he's just like he
2: this is a mayor thing I don't, I don't know could be i think it would be more people coming to him to ask him about it probably he just gets annoyed i imagine right and then it's just like she can do whatever she wants you know what i mean and just eh. right so it's gotten to the point where he just doesn't even want to talk about it or think about it because everybody's coming up and being like you know what do you think's going on at night when they're in there and blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't want to think about it. So he's acting more mad than he really is to just kind of throw it all off, in my opinion. Yeah. When in actual life, they're they're barely even communicating you know during the day they, they just, don't like, even run talk to each much. other yeah
0: she doesn't really communicate with much of anybody even, so. really
2: and especially not cal cuz in my word in my notes i have cal not word good <laughs> he doesn't have to he really doesn't he's like how can if you're out hunting with cal or like you know traipsing through the wilderness like what kind of conversation are you going to have with him
0: i'm sure she's probably like well, I'm going to go to my room tonight, and Cal's like, okay, and then takes off his shirt to lay down. She's like, okay, I'll stay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so cold in my room,
0: though.
1: <laughs> and look at how hunky he is.
2: It's like sleeping next to a fresh-off-the-grill rack of lamb. Just like <laughs> curling up with it and going to sleep.
0: That's a heated side visual.
2: of beef. That's that's <laughs> basically what Mia's calling him.
0: A side of beef.
2: A hey, I a one no. meat shoulder.
0: <laughs> he's he's uh, he's hunky, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's swole. Right, but the things that like, are actually look at, my, look at my chest. Right, though. but the things that are actually on her mind are things that she can't tell him about. Right. Anyway, she can't talk to him about the things that are plaguing her because it'll only add to what he's going through. He's obviously having nightmares. He can't sleep all night. You know, he's thrashing around in his sleep yet. Somehow that's more comforting than sleeping by herself. Right. Okay. I,
1: for the record, she can, she's just choosing not to.
2: Right. So don't complain when he's waking you up every night. Right. You're choosing to sleep there. Right. I mean, and you, I mean,
1: there have to be other beds. Like there has to be space for another bed bed in that room cut, too cut,
2: cut the
0: guy some slack with everything that's gone on everyone that mayor loves or cares about is alive cal right. can't say that
2: no right
0: his whole world's turned upside down
2: yeah mayor's parents people back she thought she lost
0: right mayor's dad didn't just be decapitated bonus. by her hand
2: exactly <laughs> right
0: so he's going through some stuff
2: right Right. I don't, I don't think she necessarily blames him. It's just... No. No. It's just, you know, an odd pairing, I guess. But one thing that she's definitely not telling him about is the notes that she's getting from Maven.
1: Which I understand wanting to, like, protect him because he's going through a lot of stuff. But that seems like something that somebody should know about. Yeah. This seems like behavior that someone needs to be alerted to. Yeah.
2: I was kind of miffed at Mare for keeping this a secret. I know that, like, everybody's betrayed her or whatever, but I'm pretty sure she could take this to Cal. Oh, yeah. What's
0: Cal going to do? Like, well, I mean, you know, I still love Maven.
2: (laughs) Because they've already said, like, they already talked about how she's not going to go back. Like, And he was like, okay, I support you in that.
0: Right. You know. You want me to say. Right. Don't go back. You
2: could tell him about this because basically every note that he's leaving her is another display like the baby yep. in the last uh city. Everything is a message to her that you want all this to stop? Just come back. And all of this stops in a heartbeat. That's gotta be a lot for her to carry around. Oh, sure. And not be able to talk to anybody about it.
1: And it's like You can even tell someone else, someone who's going to have a bit more of like an objective opinion, someone who's not going to care as much, someone who's not as emotionally attached to this. Like, there are people you can talk to,
2: Mare. You don't have to do this to yourself. Shade or Farley. Right. You know, especially Shade, somebody trying to keep her safe, usually. Yeah. You know, but. She doesn't. There's a line in her description of the, of, um, how, like, even in the things that they don't say to each other, Mare and Cal, Maven is still there, you know, between them, like keeping the space between them. And she likens Maven to a frog sitting in Cal's head and, like, talking to him and, like, the, description in my head was like a frog somehow squatting down to like poop all over Cal's happiness. (laughs) I was like, frogs don't even squat and poop like that, but that's still like (laughs) the image that popped up in my head, like Maven squatting down and just like pooping all over anything that's good for Cal. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, But, I mean, it probably hasn't crossed her mind, but how does she think that the people in her life like Kalorn or Cal, or Shade are going to feel if she does turn herself in.
2: Right. All this that they've been working for would just be turned right, right over. Because the minute that he gets his hands on her, Lara knows everything. Right. She knows about all the new blood. She knows everything. Yep. So all the secrets that Mare's been working so hard to keep would be given up.
0: You right. know. You have no choice.
2: Right. So I don't think I don't think any of her trusted people, like if she went to Cal, Barley, or Shade with this information, I don't think anybody would fault her for not going back. Because the whole thing would be ruined anyway. What plus right. I think needs to be discussed with these notes is why is Maven always one step ahead of them? But never waits around for for them them to come and catch her. He's clearly playing a game. He could easily just set so many traps that they can't get out of them. True. And, you know. But he's he's he sets it up and then leaves and plays with her more. So it's it's a cat and mouse game where the cat could catch the mouse. But he wants to keep the mouse afraid, so he lets it keep running, right? Knowing he's chasing it, you know, it's all just a completely sick game. Yeah. Mayor Raven Shippers, would you please email us and tell us why you ship this relationship? Because this us a is compelling disgusting. We yeah. can't have any. I, nobody has told me yet why they ship and why they mayor and Maven at the end of all of this. I don't understand. This is disgusting. She literally talks about how he's poisoning her from the inside out. You know, she just can't shake his presence.
1: And that's just this. We're That's just halfway through this book. Right. It
2: gets worse. We still got two and a half hours to go. Right. It gets way worse. So if you're a Mare Raven shipper and you're probably yelling at your phone or your <laughs> car speakers, you're wherever you're listening, email us and tell us why. Because we, we don't get it. We just don't. And eventually we might share it on the show if we get enough people that, you know, give us an actual reason, but I just can't see it. If they feel strongly enough
1: about this,
2: I just can't see it. No. It's gross.
0: Not after what he's already done. No way. No way. Yeah. It's like finding out that. Ted Bundy gets love letters, like watching a documentary, and Ted Bundy's getting all these love letters, and you see Ted Bundy getting love letters, and you're like, right. no, can I get that address? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like,
2: what? Oh, yeah, I'd like to write him, too. What? Why? Chris Watts gets love letters.
0: It's crazy. In prison.
2: It's like, but, he killed his wife and children, and you want to marry him. Okay. you. Yeah, That's and, a special kind of crazy. Yep. Yeah. That's a special kind of crazy. I don't get it. I don't get it. Send us those reasons. Yeah, please, because we don't understand. Educate
1: us, if anything. Right.
2: There's another letter that was found when they were in the town of Corvium. And it's clear by the way Maven is traveling that he's like making his way up to the choke.
1: And when he's at Corvium, he's basically there.
2: Yeah, they're right on the edge. So he's almost... You know, to the point where the main part of the fighting is.
1: Also, by the end of this series, you will hear Corvium so much, you're going to be sick of it. I yes, you will. I swear to God.
2: Yes, you will. They thought that they would beat him up to the choke, but they haven't. He's getting there faster than they are. So he's clearly moving... In a much more organized fashion and with much more speed.
1: I mean, he has more resources and can get places faster, and he doesn't have to worry he about have to hide. not. Yeah,
2: right. That's the biggest part of it. Everything they have, they do has to be secret. And right. He can do it with as much fanfare as he wants.
1: He
0: just hops on the Maven cycle.
2: Right. Eventually, they were going to catch on to him, and now they have. So to
1: the Maven Mobile.
2: Right. Like From Batman. the Maven Cave, yeah, the Maven Wing, but all bad, right? He, it's he's not Batman, he's Robin. Like <laughs> Batman has retired, and Robin has the Bat Cave now, and he's just doing dumb stuff with it. It's <laughs> because he can, yeah, just dumb stuff, yeah. This letter that they find in Corvium reads like this: dated October thirty first. I expected you at my coronation. It seemed like the kind of thing your Scarlet Guard would love to try and ruin, even though it was quite small. We're still supposed to be mourning father, and a grand affair would seem disrespectful, especially with Cal still out there, running around with you and your rabble. In my notes here, I have rabble? <laughs> really, Maven? Was this is 1956? <laughs>
0: yes.
2: We've been watching too much Psych. I guess. Hey, see? You're rabble here. That's you right. See. Yeah, see you here, sonny? A precious few still owe allegiance to him, according to mother, but don't worry, they are being dealt with. No silver succession crisis will come and take my brother from your leash. If you could, wish him a happy birthday for me, and assure him it will be his last. But yours is coming, isn't it? I don't doubt we'll spend it together. Until we meet again, Maven.
1: I just I don't like Yeah. <laughs>
2: she says his words are like knives into her skin.
1: Like reading the letter hurts. It does. I.
2: I don't like it. <laughs> don't really it. So gross. But he's so
1: hot.
0: No, I don't no, get it. I don't get it. How you say he hot? He's written in a book.
1: <laughs> but Cal's hotter.
0: Literally.
2: literally. And figuratively, <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Quite literally. His ability is just better. He's better at it. He he made no word good, but he fire
2: good. Right. And Maven can't beat like one girl, so while Cal can single handedly fend off two people yeah. at the same time. So we find out that Mare is keeping all of these notes that she finds of Maven's. She's keeping them all in the bottom of her trinket box. She can't bring herself to throw them away. Burn them, girl. Yeah, exactly. Burn them. What are you doing? If you're not going to show them to anybody, why are you keeping them?
0: She should wipe her butt with them. And if she when she gets to a new blood before Maven, leave it there. With a note attached, this is what I think of your note. <laughs> so that when he gets there after her, so he to, sees that.
1: No, but you have to think of the logistics of that. She has to carry those notes around that she just wiped her butt with. <laughs>
0: or she could do it there, but then she would have to, okay, never mind. <laughs> We're done.
2: I mean, maybe just somebody.
0: Yeah, huh. anyone got to go.
2: Or somebody pee on it, just yeah. set it down and pee on it maybe. Yeah. That might work. Hey, Cal, come over here and pee on this.
0: A little booger on it.
2: Him, you're just stung by a jellyfish. I just want you to pee on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: she's standing there in the bedchamber thing, whatever, and reading this note. And it, she says it feels like a hand is like squeezing around her throat, you know, as she's reading it, like she can't breathe. And then she realizes that it's not because she's scared of him, although she is. It's because she realizes that she still misses him. There's part of her that still thinks that that part of him was real. And she still misses that person.
1: It's it's like she, it it makes her nauseous reading this note. She feels like she wants to vomit. Yeah. And then she's just like, like, I kind of miss him though. So
0: that note is more like Maven's finger going down her throat making her want to go barf.
2: Then she says the most toxic, codependent thing ever. That when she thinks of him, her brand that he gave her burns, and she wonders if he can feel it too. <laughs> Why? This is like some sort of sick, twisted version of somewhere out there with Fival and his dad singing to each other across the great expanse of New York City.
0: It is disturbing.
1: Uh, uh. It's,
0: and I know she's young, and but that's, I mean, it's not setting off warning, but maybe that's why she doesn't want to tell Cal, because she's like, okay, that's kind of distu- disgusting. Right.
2: I have to let this go if I tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Secrets are like mushrooms. They thrive in the dark. That's true. So... She can't even, like, Cal starts to stir behind her in the bed, starts to do his, like, waking up in the middle of the night thing, and she, like, shoves the notes back in the box real quick and puts them away and runs out in the hall because she doesn't even want him to know that she's, like, looking in her trinket box. That's how paranoid she is about anybody finding out that she's keeping these notes. I'm not sure what's... insane. It is. I'm
0: not sure what's more disturbing, the fact that she's, like, reading them and, like, saying... I wonder if he feels it too when her scar burns or the fact that she keeps them all in her trinket box.
2: Right. <laughs> right. The That's fact that
1: she's wrong. hiding it like a child hides things from their parents.
2: Yeah, like love or, letters. Like, notes that POWs had to like hide. You know what I mean? Like right. it's crazy the lengths that she's going to to keep this. So then she's out in the hallway after she basically ran from Cal waking up and she whispers to the empty hallway, happy birthday, Cal. She can't even say it. Although, if she did say something to him about his birthday, like how would she explain that she knew that if he didn't tell her? Then she'd have to admit that she got a note from Maven. Right. So she can't say happy birthday to him if she didn't already know it was his birthday. Oh, Are you God. saying that... You know what I mean?
1: Are you saying that... He or that she doesn't know his birthday.
2: I mean, why would she? They haven't I spent don't. one together yet. I know they haven't. I mean, maybe it came up. Maybe she does. Maybe she does know. But I'm just saying, if she didn't, she That's can't true. say happy birthday to him now without being like, "How did you find out it was my birthday?"
1: Yeah, but, but why also, does she have to be like happy birthday, Cal, in the hallway, the empty hallway?
2: <laughs> because. She was standing in the hallway with a big cake. Happy birthday.
1: birthday. Yeah, I get it.
2: I could see where that one was going. I mean, come on. You thought about (laughs) it when you were reading it, too, didn't you? I
1: didn't. I did not. Okay, I did.
2: I didn't. She was... That's not... Holding all that love out there in the hall.
1: Yeah. Right. We're we're done. Not for this episode, but Not for for this this episode, (laughs) but just for
2: this particular reference. We'll move on to the next one. Good.
0: Uh, Let's move
2: on. She decides she's going to go outside because she's restless now and she just wants to go wandering. But she forgot her coat or any sort of wrap and she's not about to go back into the room and risk seeing Cal and dealing with him. I don't know
1: why I'm imagining. She's not even in like long pants and long sleeves.
2: I'm kind of picturing like a La Llorona Type, you know, like yeah. the white nightgown. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah. she's just sort of like drifting yes. through the notch, hollow-eyed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she's not gonna grab any kids and drown them in a lake. No, no. That's that we're aware of. Not that we're not ready. in yeah, I... this book yet. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <sighs> Don't think she's gonna drown any kids unless Count Dooku tells her to, then she probably will. But debate. Okay. okay
0: actually that was Palpatine
2: oh that's right but whatever
0: actually it's been
2: a long time Ben comes running out here I remember that
1: (laughs) Ben makes his first cameo on the podcast
2: Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace But it's it's just before dawn, so it's like that little kind of, you know, you can see daybreak starting to form Mm -hmm. over the side of the mountains or whatever. And Ada is out there around the fire. She usually takes last watch before sunup because she likes to get up before everybody else. So she goes to bed super early and then gets up and takes the watch. So it's not unusual for Mare to get up in the morning and find her sitting by the fire. Mm -hmm. Usually she's reading a book and Mare says that most of the time she has a brand new skill learned before everybody else even wakes up.
1: Good God.
2: So she's just And what are you doing, Mare? She's rereading Maven's notes from her treatment (laughs) books. That's what she's doing.
1: (laughs) And whining about it.
2: Mare says that in the week before, Ada learned the entire language of Tarax and basic surgery. Just by reading a just book. Just
1: by reading books.
2: Now she can do basic surgery. I'm not sure I would want somebody who'd only read about surgery in a book to do it on me. But I, I mean I see where the skill would be beneficial.
1: And it's it's Ada, so I'd be like, okay. Yeah.
2: I guess, yeah, she's pretty smart.
1: It's like for something that is as basic as she would have learned by now, is there there's is there that much risk to it? I guess when there's not much medicine there is. Right, like I mean, you'd have to start with, like,
2: anatomy, like, where to properly cut and stuff, yeah. you know? So, I mean, I guess she, she knows the, some merit to it.
1: The, like, the techniques and the theoretical side of it, she yeah. just doesn't have practice yet.
2: On this particular day, however, me, uh, Mare does not find her with a book, and she's also not alone. She sees Ketha out there, and also Kalorn. Mm, yeah. And Kalorn has a stick in his hand and he is drawing in the dirt. And Mare gets a little closer and she sees that it's letters. And Kalorn is writing in the dirt. Yeah. Just basic words like cat, dog.
1: Okay. I'm but then teach the, the last words that he's writing.
2: Okay. Go ahead.
1: These words aren't going to be triggering at all for any of these characters. Uh, boat, gun, and home, and then Kalorn. His name. It's like, those aren't going to be triggering to you guys, are they? Not even a
2: little. (laughs) Mare does uh, tear up here, but she says they are happy tears. Yeah. Because... And he
1: almost immediately frees to her face. Right.
2: But um, we learn through Mare's recollections here that this is Kalorn's first attempt at writing. Kalorn does not know how to read or write. Yes. Because he was working from such a young age to provide for his family. So just seeing that he can write the word home and his name is pretty amazing to Mare. Because it's farther than any other teacher ever got with form. You know, I guess he's just very exasperating and the teachers would give up. But as soon as he sees that she sees him... He snaps the twig and stands up to walk off and, like, not even. Meh. Yeah. Well, Mare's going to be here. man. Mm. But Ketha doesn't see Mare at first, and she looks after Kalorn, like, confused what's going on, and then follows his gaze and sees Mare. And is like, oh, that's why. Okay. Because I guess everybody knows that there's all this tension between Mare and Kalorn. Plus, Mayor Lauren. Mayor Lauren, whatever love triangle this thing is. People need to agree on what the love triangle is. Right. Because then this this next part kind of confused me. Ada's like, Well, it's time to hunt anyway, and then she reaches out for Kalorn like to touch his hand or something, but he's already gone. And she just touches air. But like why is she reaching out? To put a hand on Colorn, like
1: if he's like, I, like he's just retreating.
2: Yeah, but I mean, is she, like, is there something there with if does she feel something for Colorn and? I mean, it does seem it's like that old cartoon, you know? She's staring at Colorn and he's staring at Mare and she's staring at Cal and he's staring at his reflection. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody looking at their one true love, and Cal's just like.
0: <laughs> Again. Uh. She's over there kissing her biceps, biceps and flexing on. Oh, and I'm audio, audio
2: only medium. Yep. Yeah.
1: It does say that he evades her grasp. So, it, like, was he still standing right there? And, and like, shied away. And no. she was almost like, hey, buddy, it's okay.
0: Whose grasp is this? Keth's?
1: Ada. Ada. Ada's.
0: Oh, isn't Ada older, though?
1: Mm-mm. No. No.
0: Why don't you think that she was like older? Because the name's the older one.
1: Mm. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: Tetha looks at Mare and blushes and is like, he asked to learn. Like, she's going to get in trouble for teaching him. I don't know why she thinks that, but.
1: Maybe because I don't know if she thought that Mare would think that it's like a waste of time right now. Like, why are you teaching him how to read and write when there's, like a, like, a war brewing? I
2: don't know. I don't think she'd feel like that. But maybe, Katha would, maybe wouldn't Ketha wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, maybe Ketha thinks that she would. I'm not saying that Mayor would think like that, I'm just saying right. these people don't see Mayor as a human being.
2: That's true. Because yeah. Ketha doesn't say anything else. She just pushes her way past Mayor back into the building. Like, you know, super awkward. So Ada says that She thinks that they both just need a good distraction. Mm. That everybody just needs something to take their mind off of what's going on. And Mare doesn't miss that her eyes flicker back to the notch when she says that. Like, clearly... The Palace of Swole. Clearly you have a distraction. So why isn't everybody else allowed to have a distraction? Which harkens back to, what, two chapters ago when Mm -hmm. Mare was like, we're just distractions to each other and we can't afford distractions distractions. right now. And then she's making out with him and, and now they're sleeping next to each other every night. So, way to go on keeping those distractions down to a minimum, Mare. Good job.
1: Good job, girl. A plus, really. Gold star for you.
2: But she tells Ada, she says, I think we all need a little distraction. So, it's like, yes, I'm going to... Acknowledge what you're saying without really acknowledging what, what, you're, what you're, you're saying. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna be like, yeah, yeah. It's we all need a good distraction, including me. Mm-hmm. By by the way, I I'm just saying my distraction is warranted. Right. Okay. Then here's but now the, she's backed herself into a corner because right. she can't get mad at anyone else for having a distraction now that she said this. Right.
2: And here's the dumbest sentence Mayor's ever thought.
0: That's saying something. <laughs>
2: That's a bold statement, and I'm going to stand behind it. it. Really is. She she sees Ada look back at the notch, and then she looks back at the notch. She says, "Where half of my heart sleeps, then I look over at the forest where the other, or where the rest wanders." So her heart has now been split in two. Hal has one half. Kalorn has the other. Maven is pooping in her brain and poisoning her from the inside out. This woman doesn't know what she wants.
0: No, she does not.
2: Not even close. (laughs) And this is the person that they want to, like, lead their revolution. Yeah. Yeah. This is, in all fairness, the figurehead, but.
1: All fairness. In Hunger Games, they had Katniss, which isn't much better.
2: But she was just, like, the figurehead. That's fair. There was no there was no real substance behind the initial um development of the mocking jay. Fair point. It was just In, like until they went to the, the first symbol. place where the bombing happened and uh-huh. that all kicked off and the mocking jay became like an actual big thing. But like this Mare already has powers. Right. She can already she's proven to already be. I mean Katniss had already proven to be deadly twice in the arena. It's not quite, quite the same. I, I realize that it, there are parallels, but it's but not, not exactly the same. The same. People didn't run in fear of Katniss like they did yeah. with Mare. They don't even know how to talk to her. Versus, you know, like in Catching Fire, everybody wanted to be friends with Katniss. She couldn't get alone. Versus Mare, who can very easily be alone because... People don't know how to deal with her. Yeah, she can't even get on the floor and play with the kids because she's gonna scare the crap out of the kids. She's probably, you know, she, she doesn't got scars like scars all over either, and her though. face is all hollow. And but I mean, even if she did right. like the simple joy of just getting down on the floor and playing with a child, she can't do that right now because the kids are scared to death of her. Like, yeah, she can't just. Everybody be a human. just saw her kill people on TV and think that she seduced Cal into killing the king. So that's what she's going to have to deal with, whether people actually think it's true or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she just, she's forced into this life of solitude, but also she's kind of digging it because she doesn't want people to get hurt.
0: Right. And to top it all off, she's a train wreck.
2: <laughs> she really
0: is. I mean, she is.
2: She's a total train wreck.
0: You can't sugarcoat it.
2: Yeah. So Clorne wanders off into the woods. Ada tells her not to worry because Crance is out there. He'll meet up with Crance, and then yes. Farah will meet them and she will, you know, do all the sound muffling things. And then Ada's like, but you don't really have to worry about it because all the bears should be like hibernating by now. Yeah. <laughs> And, and this, this launches Mare into thinking about bears for a while. <laughs> it's always kind of nice to just think about bears because they're really so is. cute and cuddly. Unless
0: they're ripping your head off.
2: They will rip your face off. <laughs> yeah. But at least, you know, you like look at them. Yeah. Death cuddle, worth it.
1: And I mean, I don't think death the bears cuddle. out here are going to be overdosing on cocaine.
2: Nope, pretty sure there's no cocaine for them to overdose on. Yeah. And uh, but she says that Farrah's ability to sound muffle and the instinct that Kalorn has from hunting to stay downwind from the bears, you know, keep them from being bear food. Yeah, they've only encountered one bear. This made me think of the line from True Crime Obsessed when they covered the Grizzly Man documentary and they were talking about how this man was murdered by a bear. And Patrick says bears can't murder. They can only have dinner. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> he was not murdered by a bear. He walked into a bear's living room, and the bear had him for dinner. Yes. That's what happened.
0: It would be like a steak walking into my kitchen. Right. <laughs> hey, what's up? I'm going to eat I'm you.
2: I'm going to eat you. That's what's up. I don't know how a steak just walked in here, but it's going to be pretty tasty. and yep. salt and pepper you up, and that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. Bear sees you and is like, ooh, Hey.
0: Seasoning, he's got salt. Yep. It's got the pepper. Grindr, grinder,
2: yeah. Yeah. But the bear from the Revenant just likes it uh dusted in mud, apparently. You just rub him around in the mud, coat him evenly on both sides, flip him over, coat him on the other side. <sighs> Ada knows all about bears though, because Governor Rombos is apparently bear, the bear some ranch. sort of Uh, distant relative of the Nergomedovs and likes to wrestle bears.
0: Yeah, they would have bears actually got captured and flown in into their little... They had like a little, I guess, private zoo type thing almost.
2: Yeah. Not only did he have a private hunting grounds that they would keep stocked with all kinds okay. of things that he would hunt. The bears, specifically, they would put into a pit.
1: Yeah. So quote they could unquote go in grounds. and,
2: yeah. So, like, some of the things he's shooting or whatever, but the bears, they want to just, like, straight up wrestle with. Yep. And be able to kill, like, in hand-to-hand combat. I mean, Because the strong are strong arms. Right. So, so it's not like. It's that big of a deal, but they're not—they're strong arms, not stone skins. Right. So a bear could still rip your arm off. Oh yeah. Just because you're strong doesn't mean that you're impenetrable. A I stone guess, skin would be what you'd want to get in there with a bear. Yeah, I guess the idea
1: is like, but they can just like kill it. I guess if the, uh,
0: don't get don't get swiped with the claw and give it a nice uppercut and knock it loopy, then snap its. If manic. they're
1: good enough at fighting already, then they can, like, avoid it until they can just break its
2: neck. Evasion. Ada says that uh, Roar Rombos, the governor's daughter, actually wanted a bear cub as a pet. Which, kind of aw. Right? Duh, that's adorable. However, the bears were all killed before they could even breed. Thanks, Ada. That's pretty fast. Because if you stick animals of the same species in different genders, they're going to breed real fast. Yeah. So they must not have let these bears hang around very long.
0: And it's making me sad.
2: I know, right? Aww, no. Bears. Especially sad, also, is Ada telling this story because Mare sees it on her face when she's recounting about the pit in a way that she knows could only mean that she has watched it. Oh that she's watched them wrestle these bears and breaks their neck and of course with her memory she can't she can't unsee forget that. it yeah Literally, she's going to she remember every single that. one so just watching bear after bear after adorable cuddly warm fuzzy sweet bear
0: all i see is winnie the pooh getting his neck nap right
2: now. like when grant used to Patty tackle Clay. his winnie the pooh only like a real bear and a really strong dude so sad not our adorable chubby little son and his stuffed animal. Uh-huh. Not only was Roar somebody that Mare remembers from Queen's Trial. She was one of the girls that was there competing. She could. Mare remembers her being able to pulverize a stone at a touch.
1: But she was like super tiny.
2: Yeah, super little. But Ada tells her that One of the governor's other kids was one of the executioners sent after her in the bowl of bones. Riker, the strong arm that she killed... (laughs) In the bowl of bones.
1: Ada, I know you mean well, but you're not helping.
2: Not helping, babe. Because instantly she's just like, yep, I electrocuted that dude and basically turned him into charred flesh.
1: She's just like, I didn't want to know his name.
2: Never wanted to know his name. Yep. She was bad enough that she knew Evangeline and Ptolemus. They're not dead and they're still after her. And now she's got the name of this dude to haunt her nightmares even more. Hooray! Now, the fact that he probably got into a pit and killed bears with his own hands makes her feel a little better about killing him.
1: You know, at least he was a psychopath. Yeah.
2: Mare's face must betray her thoughts about, like, this is a real stupid downer conversation. Because Ada's (laughs) like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. You know, and she calls her Miss. And Mare's like, uh, that's the most upsetting thing. Basically, is when know. you call me Miss. Why? Like, With if me? you could knock that off, that'd be super cool. Because I really don't like it.
1: When I imagine Ada speaking, she has like a she has like a kind of high pitched voice. Not annoyingly high pitched, just high pitched.
0: I'm just Somebody, I for some reason I thought Ada was like old. So like, this has shattered my whole worldview now.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's she's I, uh, did I maybe Mare's age. Probably just a little bit older. An if age in, out there if anything, in between Mare and Cal.
0: Why did I think she was old?
2: I don't know. The older ones to me are like Ketha, Nanny. Nanny, obviously. Well,
0: Nanny, obviously. You can't be named Nanny and be under 70.
2: I mean, the kids called your mom Nanny when she was in her 50s.
0: Okay. Thanks for pointing that out. i
2: <laughs> just saying.
0: Anyway.
1: And then like, Nick's
2: older. Yeah. Older. Because he has teenage daughters. As,
1: probably about as old as Ketha. Probably, yeah. I don't feel like he can be that much older than her.
2: Yeah. Or so. younger. Mare thinks here about how hard it must have been for Ada to have to hide her brain all these years. That silvers think reds are stupid, so she had to basically play stupid this whole time. And not let on how intelligent she was. Or that she heard everything and remembered everything you know she knows just from overhearing conversations we find out that that's how they've tracked where maven has been is just hearing converse overhearing conversations when they're out so she has had all of this ability and had to keep it quiet because it's not going to take very long for you to know that you're different from everybody else. Right. And then it's also not going to take very long for you to pick up on the fact that you can't let anybody know. Yeah. So, because if you're taking everything around you in, you'd be like, ooh, this is not something that I feel like mm-hmm. I should, you know, tell people. So it has to be something that's been really hard for her. And she says that it reminds her of herself and that the fact that she has to constantly keep running because when she stops, people get hurt. So they're yep. both in that boat together that they have to keep running. And Ada says, you know, sorry it called you, miss. It's a habit. habit. I can't really break it. You know, she was a maid for so long. Then she gets in her pocket and she pulls, Down to out, business yeah, here. pulls out a crumpled up piece of paper and hands it to Mare. And the edges are kind of singed.
1: Okay, I got to go through some of this dialogue here. Because it just, it it makes me, it kind of makes me laugh. Yeah. So Ada's like, Shade took this off an officer in Corvium. And then Mare's response is just beautiful. Her response is, uh, the one I fried? And it's like, Mare girl what tipped it off for you the (laughs) singed paper and it's like you you talk so much about how like you you know you regret you have like guilt about the people you killed whether you think they deserve it or not and then you're just like oh yeah they took this off this dude that i killed right girl (laughs) why yes mayor that is indeed the one
0: i mean if you can't laugh
2: take it where you can i guess yeah Then she thinks, strange, the paper would survive and the soldier wouldn't. (sighs) Girl! (laughs) However, after she reads it, I do understand what she means by that. You know, like, awful handy that we found this. You know, Mm -hmm. that this just happened to survive to be able to be found and be picked up and make their way back to her. Ada explains to her that what this paper is is basically marching orders and that this is gonna be for the legions that are gonna march to the choke and take over for the ones that are currently posted there.
1: Ten legions to replace the nine yeah. currently at the choke.
2: Not being so, anybody yet? Right. There's forty five thousand of them there now because nine legions each one each one has five thousand. So there's 45,000 there now, but they're sending 50,000 to replace them. So why the extra 5,000? And then
1: 500 silver officers. Yeah, 500 silver officers.
2: They're going to be fine. They're
1: going to be fine.
2: Nobody's nobody's gunning for them. But an extra 5,000 people, it, reds going up to the choke, is going to be like an extra 4,950 deaths.
1: Oh, because yeah.
2: your odds of making it back from the choke are not. Good. Super great. So, and and military strategy is not Mayor's forte. No, he doesn't know do why we, she should care about there being ten legions to replace nine. She's like, maybe they're starting a push on the choke, and that's why Maven is going up there. They're gonna start something and try to push the Lakelanders back a little bit and gain some footing on the area. They're constantly fighting. To be over. fair
1: strategy of any kind is not really Mare's forte. Right.
2: She's like, Maven just got coronated. He's going to make a show of strength. We we adi planned adi for adi this. Adi. We're not, we're not moving on him right now. I don't know why any of this makes any difference to me whatsoever. Um. And Ada said, well, that's not likely to happen because you need at least fifteen legions to do something like that. That would involve, you know, lining the trenches and all that kind of stuff. For that level of push, you would need another fifty percent of soldiers of what they're sending now. You need so at those least numbers. 15 legions. Yeah, those numbers don't make sense. Um, and and she starts like looking back and forth, you know, like she's playing out this battle on her. Yeah. In, in her head and Mare's looking at her like, what is the matter with you? You know? <laughs> and she says, Oh, the prince is a very good teacher. So Cal and her have obviously had very long talks about military strategy and she remembers all of that stuff.
1: Ada moving in on both of Mayor's men. Right.
2: She's like, hey now. <laughs> um so she tells Mare that she thinks that this is basically a kill order. That there are nine legions going to take up the post to replace the nine legions that are currently there, and a tenth one to die in the push. They're not expecting this other legion to win, and and Mayor's like, that's that is, crazy, even for Maven. Yeah, why would it's not he? That dumb. Yeah, why would he sacrifice an extra five thousand soldiers when it's not going to gain him any ground? It's not going to really affect the Lakelanders all that much. It'll just be an extra 5,000 people that they killed. Like, I, she's still... She doesn't get it. Yeah. Why are you telling me all of this? I don't care. And you what know. does this
1: have to do with me? Why did you drag me into this?
2: Yeah. And Ada says, well, the official name of the 10th Legion is the Dagger Legion, but the governor used to call them something else when she was working at the governor's mansion. And he would call them the Little Legion. And Mare starts to ask the little, but then her thought process catches up with her.
1: Yeah, she, she really starts to think about it in like the light bulb yeah. moment. Ding!
2: Goes on over her head. And she flashes back to the colonel Trying to make a deal with Cal, are trying to make a deal for Cal to hand him over in return for all of the 15 and 16 year olds to be sent back home that had been conscripted under the measures. And she realizes that this little legion is those 15 and 16 year olds. These are the first ones that have gone through. Well, 17, you would get conscripted before.
1: No, it's 18.
2: I thought it was on your 17th birthday. 18. Whatever. Anyway, so now these kids that wouldn't have been conscripted before, but now have been because of the me- measures that Mayor read, these are the first ones that have are deemed, quote-unquote, battle-ready, which means, Water like— ready. Two months of training. Yeah. They've taught them how to put together, take apart, and carry their guns and fire them. Yeah, they've softened and them, them up enough. So so That's about it. They,
0: yeah, they've softened them up enough so that they'll go through the meat grinder real easy.
2: Right. So, I, my question is,
1: why would they put them all in one legion?
0: Well, I guarantee it's not all of them.
2: Right. I mean, this well, isn't I, all of them. This is the first 5,000 that are ready to march. To kill them?
1: Why would they? I understand. But, like, the, yes. But there's no strategy
0: to <laughs> no, it. No, that's the, yes.
1: That should be the immediate tip-off. Is like, well, they put, there's an there's a legion that's just all. A bunch of kids. A bunch of kids.
2: Specifically In, aimed at Mare.
1: Right. So unless they are specifically sending them just to die there, it makes no sense.
0: I mean, he might as well just go ahead and take duct tape and take him, tape them to the tanks and the planes <laughs> and everything else, too. Just
2: tape them to the bombs, you know, <laughs> just, like, just like the baby. In Templin, when they found, like, this is just another message to Mare, the fact that these 5,000 kids are going to be marching into war is a message to her, like, come back to me and all of this is over. None of these kids have to die.
1: When you really think about it, anyone who sees this is going to be like, wait, that doesn't make sense. It wouldn't be that much more conspicuous to just... Kill all of these kids.
0: Honestly,
2: <laughs>
1: just ex- no. execute them all. Yeah.
2: It's it would be that much worse. Seeing him you. march is just a photo op yeah. to show all the other Reds. This is still happening. These are still your kids going off to war. It's it's basically just a giant flex for oh, him. Oh, yeah. He gets to kill all these Reds and also, like, send a message to Mare.
0: And blame basically. it on her. M- yeah. make, it, make the Reds hate her.
2: Yeah. And they don't have the strength to fight him right now. They can't go meet him at Corvium right now because they don't have enough new bloods, they don't have enough abilities, and they don't have enough people. And Ada starts to argue with her to start to try to talk military strategy. And Mare cuts her off. And she's like, can you think of a way to help them? You know, you know all of this. Can you do it? Then how could I? If you can't think of it, if Cal can't think of it, then how am I supposed to come up with it? Why are you bringing this to me? I know you want me to apologize because I read the measures that got all these kids conscripted. but This is not my fault. And Ada's like, of course you're right. Miss. Oh, savage. She did not like that at all. I kind of like it. Mic drop. Yeah, pretty much. And so Mare's like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll leave you to your watch. She takes the march order, she pulls it up. Mare's yeah. all
1: angry. She's like, well, fine, I'll
2: let you do your thing. Doesn't give her the paperback, slips it in her pocket as she walks away. And all she can think of is how Maven's letters all contain some form of everybody is a message to you. Surrender to me and it will stop. So, all of this is just, you know, come back to me and none of this has to happen. Come back to me and none of this has to happen.
1: And at least this time, I don't think Mare does the, no, I'll never go back thing. Not immediately. No, not this at least. time.
2: All she says, you know, they have this little conversation and then she tells Ada, um, we fly for Pataris in a few hours. So... Cal's doing the piloting, give Shade a list of our supplies, and then she walks off. Peace. Yeah. And that's where we're going to end it for this episode, because some big stuff is going to happen in the back half of this chapter. There's a lot more discussion to get to. Yeah, so we're breaking it up. Yeah, we're going to break this one up into two episodes, so there's not like a whole bunch for you guys to chow down on all at once.
0: But if you want to you can wait till they're both out and chow down. on Absolutely.
2: You can certainly do that. Um, We really appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. We celebrated our one year anniversary recently of the podcast. So we were very excited about that. Happy started recording about a year ago. We got our Spotify wrapped for the podcast for the year and we see that you guys are listening and we love that. And we, Really want to thank everybody who's hung in there with us um, through the first book and a half. We have (laughs) loved doing this, and we are certainly happy that you guys are here with us. So, thank you so much to all of our listeners who keep coming back week after week. We really appreciate it, and we would not be here doing this if not for you guys. So, thank you so much.
0: Definitely. And we have also recorded some other side podcasts that we may throw on the website, not under the same area where the
1: yeah, they'll, they'll be separated. The we'll figure that out. It.
0: But there's some other, we've done some with our son. Yes. Did some movie reviews. So we've got some other stuff we'll throw on there just to give you something to listen to kind of more about us. I know the girls are wanting to do some Taylor Swift side podcasts. Yeah, these.
2: we've got some ideas for some Taylor stuff. So there's some, you guys some other stuff so. will be coming
0: your way
1: too.
2: Yeah, keep an eye on the feed. We really, really appreciate everybody being here. We'll throw the socials out. We do it every week. Uh, make sure you catch us over on Instagram. That is at Reading with the Rockefellers. Shoot us an email that is reading with the Rockefellers at gmail.com. And then if you hop over to www.readingwiththerockefellers.com, that's where the blog is, all of these episodes, and our fan art. So that is all of that. We really appreciate it again hanging out with us, you guys. Drop us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Yeah. Uh, that will help people find the show. And the holidays are coming up. So actually, they'll probably be over by the time you hear this episode or, it, or it somewhere right around right there. Around, but like- give give the gift of this book to somebody and the podcast and say, hey, here's a copy of this awesome book. It's going to be a TV show in a couple years. You'll be caught up by the time it gets there. And there's also these three hilarious people that <laughs> will walk you through all of the ups and downs of this book series. So thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.